0: The following program contains views, ideas, and opinions that have been produced by the host DJ and their guests and are not reflective of the views of WRFL or its underwriters. For questions, comments, or concerns, please email programming at wrfl.fm.
1: Who listens to the radio anymore? We do. W.R.F.L. Lexington.
0: Hey listeners, I'm Noel Oldham and this is Campus Voices on W.R.F.L. Lexington. This is a program where we take a look at the issues facing U.K.'s campus and the Lexington community. This week we'll be hearing two interviews talking about what changes black students and the groups that lead them need to see on the University of Kentucky's campus this year. As we've reported on Campus Voices before, UK has pledged to make a number of changes around campus to support black and minority students. We discuss those changes and what else needs to be done with two black student leaders, and then with Jay Blanton, the spokesperson for the University of Kentucky. We'll start out with our interview with Anaya Jones, the vice president of the University of Kentucky's Black Student Union, and Kyrie Gardner, a founding leader of the Movement for Black Lives at the University of Kentucky and Black at UK. The Black at UK social media accounts have been sharing the often disturbing stories of racism on campus sent to them from Black students. We began by asking Anaya and Kyrie about their respective organizations. The Movement for Black Lives UKY and Black at UK are two relatively new organizations, and they've partnered together. Kyrie, can you tell us about each organization and their missions?
1: So uh, I started Movement for Black Lives UK Around three months ago, following my own personal experience at a protest in Washington D.C. in front of Lafayette Park, when President Trump decided to, um, you know, send the tear gas and everything at us that day, I went home and I asked my friends, you know, how can we make a difference on UK's campus? And, you know, it started off with just a simple petition to rename the carwan Blanding Space after Brianna Taylor. But after hearing input of so many other students, faculty, staff, and community members, it evolved into the Movement for Black Lives at the University of Kentucky. Uh, so yeah, uh, I also started Black Hate UK just to have an opportunity for Black students, uh, other minority students, LGBTQ+, non-binary students, women, to share their stories of marginalization and, um, violence based on their identity on campus.
0: I have seen the Black at UK Instagram account, and I've seen the stories that have come in there. What kind of stories have you been receiving from students on campus? What kind of response have you been receiving on that account?
1: Uh, You know, it's it's disheartening because most of the stories are just, uh, you know, uh, violence based on your identity, violence based on who you are as a person, stuff you cannot change about yourself. You know, to have students being followed back to their dorms because they're black, to have students being called racial slurs (laughs) and being followed to, you know, people not standing up for them in the street because they were followed in the middle, middle of broad daylight to have women tell stories of their own assaults in um, Greek life, to have people tell stories about how they were gay and couldn't get into some organizations, for people to tell stories about how they had to change their major because of how people in their classes treated them based on their identity. It's been really disheartening to know that this is at every level and within every institution on campus.
0: What do you think is the importance then of sharing those stories
1: Well, the importance of sharing those stories is to make sure that these students' voices are heard. They told me them in confidence, and I want to make sure that I amplify them even louder than than before. You know, this is why we did um, our uh, bender drop action the other day. We wanted to make sure that these students' voices and their stories were not going to be forgotten and that everybody knew that this is an occurrence on campus and it's not going to be swept under the rug.
0: The Black Student Union has been at UK since 1968 and has been behind some remarkable changes at the university. Most recently, they were part of a panel for first-year students called A Different World, where the purpose was to give first-year students the tools needed for success. Anaya, can you tell us a little bit about the BSU here at campus and some of the things your organization has done?
2: Hi, yes, I am Anaya Jones. I'm the vice president of BSU. And I was actually our president, Gabe Savage, who was there at the panel. And I was not present, but I did get the recording. And basically, we were just speaking to the freshmen and making sure that they knew the resources on campus for them. Because you can't really explain how you feel to someone who doesn't personally get that hands-on experience. So we definitely point them in the direction of, you know, more minority-based psychologists that are here on campus, the MLK Center, just resources they can reach out to for first-generation students, you know, minority-based scholarships, and stuff along the lines of that. So we just wanna make sure all students, regardless of color, just the minority students who are labeled as minority feel welcome. They feel like they have a place to go to, they have people to talk to, they don't feel alone because, especially with everything going in the world right now, it's very, you know, touchy right now for us, or not just for us, just for anybody who just feels a subject on like a personal level. Following
0: the deaths of Brianna Taylor and George Floyd, both by police, the University of Kentucky has made some promises and commitments to change on campus. They've announced that Juneteenth will be recognized as a university holiday. Uh, they've had a proposal for United Racial Equity Research, uh, a proposal for a Commonwealth Institute of Black Studies, and a number of institutional programs and changes. Anaya, as the vice president of the BSU that has been on campus since 1968, is UK listening
2: to the Black Student Union any more than it has before? Honestly, I feel like they are now, but not because of the students, not because of the organization, but because of the world. Like, this is now a world thing. Like, along with the pandemic, the Black Lives Matter movement is, like, huge. It's, it's on social media. Actresses everybody's there, protesters, people are seeing how people being treated It's being recorded. It's always been going on, but now it's being captured as more on social media now and everybody's on social media. So I feel like that is doing the job more than the black student union or just more as organizations have, because we've also, we've always demanded these changes and they're never been changed. So now all of a sudden they want to make Juneteenth the national holiday. Like they want to respect it now, but like why now? And it's only why now because of the pandemic and like, the Black Lives Matters movement. I feel like it didn't come from the students. It, they feel entitled. They feel like they have to do this. But I feel like if it wasn't for the fact that like the Black Lives Matters movement was going on as hard as it is right now, that they, these changes probably wouldn't be made. Sad truth. Do you expect
0: that the university will stay true to those commitments and those changes?
2: I feel like they will now because UK calls itself diverse. So since they are a diverse campus, they're going to go more towards, oh, you were diverse. We're going to, we're going to support you. We're going to do the research now. We're going to celebrate this holiday that you guys were free. But I just feel like it's just a now thing. And it should have always been. If they wanted to be diverse in the first place, they wanted to let all students come, not just white students come, that they should have been making these changes beforehand, not just now. I mean, we appreciate the changes now, but I feel like Are they really doing it for us, or are they really doing it just to say that they are, like that they support the movement for their students here? How much communication
0: has UK had with the Black Student Union in these changes that they're developing?
2: We've gotten a couple emails, not many, just about the Breonna Taylor thing and how that they've promised to you know make her memorable here and like put a stance on her name but that was only after all the black organizations like decided to join forces and actually you know like this is something that actually needs to happen like if you don't support her then you don't support diversity. you don't support the minority students here because it's not it's the fact that the way she died and the way that people were portraying it like as though it was nothing like oh it, it could happen to anybody like no one is going to die in their home. Because they thought some they were looking for somebody in there, and the person was already in police custody. So I just feel like that was you no. Know, so
0: this is a question for both of you. What do you think the university needs to add to their plan of action when confronting racist issues and coming up with solutions to help Black students on campus?
1: Well, to be fair, you know, uh, uh, the university current. Uh, plan for Black students, it's got some first steps, but, you know, they can push a little bit farther. Uh, You know, in our own list of demands that we've collaborated with a lot of different inside UK, outside organizations with, we've asked lots of different groups, lots of different marginalized groups, marginalized communities, their input. You know, UK needs to really commit to restorative justice uh, programs on campus, things like the VIP Center and the Counseling Center, which are underfunded. We need them to transition funding from UKPD to those organizations. We need more clear pathways of accountability on campus for racist and racism biased incidents. We also need to really combat institutional racism by having um, anti-racism, diversity, inclusion training at every level for every person on campus. You know, we need increased sexual assault prevention training. We need protection of our workers who are mainly workers of color. Uh, so you know, it's a lot of different aspects that UK has to hit, but unless they hit every single one of these different aspects, in our list of demands and 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 to commit to protection of every single group, nothing's going to change on campus. So it's important that UK actually listens to us because you know I know in the previous question you know you asked um, Anaya if she um, if BSU was having response about administration and everything. We the administration has been very hostile and very aggressive with us in communication. So you know we're kind of disappointed in that, but we're going to continue to push forward and make sure that we see this change
0: through. Anaya, do you have anything to add along those lines of things that you think uh, UK needs to add to their plan?
2: I feel like he hit it on the nail. Definitely more training for like being non-biased and stuff like that. Just recognizing like the importance of knowing somebody's character, not just like of your own personal beliefs, not of your own, you know, social standing of your own constitutional beliefs or what people have told you to believe about certain people or what is right brought to you by your family, but just to look as a person, as a person, look at their situation as a situation, not just like the color of their skin, how they're acting. Like you genuinely try to fix the situation. You don't take your own biased thoughts into the situation, if that makes sense, especially during police stances and stuff like that. If you like held up by the police, they should think of you as a person. They should treat you as a person. They shouldn't have whatever belief they have of your color in their skin. They should like try to fix the situation right then and there. Kyrie, you've mentioned a feeling of hostility
0: coming from your communications uh, with the university towards you. Uh, During the first week of August, there was that Twitter exchange with the Movement for Black Lives Twitter, in which the UK Twitter account responded to the Movement for Black Lives UK's concerns about the university's reopening plans. In this exchange, the university account questioned the movement for black lives accounts faith in fellow students Kyrie, in that exchange what do you feel went wrong
1: well i i feel like it was a, a tone of dismissiveness and a tone of you know you you only represent a small group of students so we don't have to listen to you uh you know it's important that regardless of whether or not we represent a small group of students, which we don't. We represent a lot of communities and we we have input from a lot of different students that these students have their voices heard. Regardless of whether or not one student dies from COVID on this campus, is that not more than enough for UK to question their reopening plan? Um, So, you know, that exchange went went left very quickly. I did not expect it to go left that quickly. But, you know, UK essentially went mask off in their conversation with me. So, you know, it was time to escalate my tone as well. So, yeah.
0: Was there something that you think the university or your organization didn't clearly communicate on either side there?
1: Well, I I, I I made sure I clearly communicated the reopening issues, and you know I, I gathered the information that was given uh, on UK's website and through other sources, and I compiled them onto a Twitter thread, and I and then I was corroborated by professors, by students, by outside public health officials, by a lot of different people on these concerns. So I made sure that my point was clear. I think UK made sure that their their point wasn't clear because they essentially you know said some half truths in their original. Twitter thread about you know testing and everything, and we made sure that they had to clarify that, especially because the next day we had our uh, phone campaign to uh, call administrators to push them on some more coronavirus protections for students and workers. So um, you know the UK UK Twitter account and UK public relations could have clarified some of their statements a little bit more, but you know it, it was it was a, a, a how you say mask off moment for them. You know they 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 got a little frustrated and it, it definitely showed.
0: What do you think that interaction tells you about the university's willingness to receive feedback or criticism from students and student groups?
1: I I, I feel like it shows um, a lack of commitment and a lack of, um, you know, I, I, w- I want to say disrespect. I don't think these people have any hate in their hearts, but it, it was a sense of, you know, I, know, I, I see, I see do- dollar signs rather than student faces. So um, it showed that they're willing to put um, anything else after dollar signs. So, you know, the more money that they can make from us and from their opening, uh, I felt like that was their only intention in the conversation and them getting defensive regarding the conversation and the concerns we brought up as well.
0: Early during the week of students arriving back on campus, members of Black at UK hung banners around campus, including the Student Center, that had stories of the racism and targeting of Black students. Uh, that they've faced on campus, according to the colonel, these banners were removed within hours. Uh, Kyrie, why was this the way that Black at UK decided to share these stories?
1: Well, a month ago, in previous meetings with administrators, we gave them a two-week deadline to respond to our demands, and that the that deadline expired on August third. I was I wasn't in Lexington until you know um, last Wednesday, so I wasn't able to do any in-person action. But we did plan as a group to escalate this because of their lack of response to us. So we thought the banner drops were the first way to escalate in this campaign. So we decided to make sure that we got up early in the morning on Saturday. We made sure that we hung them up on different locations across campus to make sure that those people still moving in, those people waking up, those people walking in the community around campus were able to see and read the stories. Half the time, most of the people don't know that this stuff exists at UK. We wanted to make sure that these students' voices were heard and these stories were important. We put them everywhere anybody can see.
0: And what was the intended reaction that you guys wanted to receive from the university with that?
1: You know, you gotta make a little bit of good trouble here and there. So I wanted I wanted the administrators to wake up a little bit, you know, pissed off per se. So um I know the I know the banners did contain some racial slurs, did contain some you know foul language, but you know we got to do what we got to do, and we're going to tell the story the way the story meant to be told. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for nobody, and we're not going to sugarcoat these students' experiences. This is stuff that's really happening on a daily basis across this campus. We wanted the administrators to wake up and read the stories. We wanted the students to wake up and read the stories. We wanted the parents moving in their their U K 24 to read the stories. So you know I'm glad that it was up for some time, and some people got to see it and read it uh, but unfortunately you no know, UKPD took it down before you know noon so but as long as one person read it and one person became more knowledgeable in what's going on I'm glad that it was up.
0: I saw pictures of these banners on social media and I, I read those and many of them were about students being called slurs. Why do you think incidents like this continue to happen on UK's campus?
1: Well you know I personally feel like it's it's a uh, you know UK likes to can. We can't commit just to creating accountability for people who. you you know, call people racial slurs to target black students, target other communities. We can't just focus on creating accountability and discipline for them. We have to, at some point, realize that this is an institutional problem that we have to combat from the top down, and then we have to make sure that this shouldn't happen in the first place. Then if it continues to happen, we can worry about accountability and discipline more. But we have to focus on fixing the problem of why students think this is acceptable to say this on this campus. This is a learning environment, and this is a protecting environment for any student who chooses to be a part of the community so administrators have to realize that we have to instead of instead of focusing on protecting people's free speech rights and blah 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 and everything else we have to make sure that students realize that this is a diverse inclusive and anti-racist community and we have to learn to make sure students realize before they get here that, that stuff is not tolerated but at the same time you know we have to we can't put we can't put all the energy on to discipline and everything without putting without putting the same amount of energy into combating the structures that allow it to
0: happen in the first place so, what is your organization's next step if they do not continue discussions with you?
1: So we have a meeting we have meetings with administrators tomorrow. We have a meeting with uh, Dr. Eric Monday and uh, Dr. George Wright tomorrow. Um, you know hopefully after that meeting, you know we get a clear response on our demands a yes or no in a time frame. But, um, you know, if we don't, we're going to continue our escalation campaign, whether or not it's marches in the street, whether or not it's blocking buildings, whether or not it's 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 email campaigns, phone campaigns, whatever we got to do, we're going to continue to escalate in different ways until we can until we get adequate response from the university. They're choosing to be willfully ignorant and ignore us for a long time. I want to make sure I'm here in Lexington. I'm not going anywhere until I see this all the way through.
0: Is there anything else that either of you would like to add along, how you think that UK needs to address racism on campus?
2: I guess the only thing I could say is that, yes, people have their freedom of speech, but at the same time, UK has to realize if you want a diverse group of people here, as they claim to want, they want a diverse group, then they need the respect, you know, our, us, respect us, respect how that it makes us feel, respect how when people treat us the way they do, how it makes us feel. And there should be actions taken against that. No one should feel comfortable talking to anybody like they're less than a person. Everyone is equal, regardless of color, race, sexuality, all of that. And I feel like UK just, UK just needs to understand that, like, they need to make accountability for the students before the professors. They need to make us feel safe. Because if we don't feel safe here, then why would we come here? Why would we bring more students here? Why would we say, oh, yeah, come to UK? UK is so diverse, and we're, we feel so welcome here, and they treat us so fairly. And, like, that's not the case. So I feel like both organizations, like, that's the main goal. We're trying to shine light on the dark side of UK, like, the side of UK that shows you know they're not completely for us the way they say they are because if they were, these actions would have been taken. Thank you, Anaya, Kyrie. Did you have anything you'd like to add?
1: No, I mean, uh, Anaya hit on the dot, and you know I said everything I have to say about uh, UK. You know, uh, you know, I just want to add on if, um, like you said, if anybody would like to learn more information about a movement, they're welcome to come to ukyforchange.com. Uh, Follows on social media uh, for Black Lives UKY on Instagram and Twitter, and Blackout UK on Instagram to learn more about
2: anything or ask us any questions.
0: And Anaya, where can people keep up with the Black Student Union?
2: They can follow us on Instagram at uk underscore bsu and we have a link tree and that will take you to our bb involved page it'll take you to any of our recent events and we're currently posting all of the eboard members so you can personally get to know all the eboard members we're welcome to talk to you we're open to any questions any feelings we want to feel like a safe space to all students not just black students all forms of black students all forms of blackness That was Anaya Jones, vice president
0: of UK's Black Student Union, and Kyrie Gardner, a student activist and leader for the movement of Black Lives at the University of Kentucky and Black at UK. When we come back, we spoke to Jay Blanton, spokesperson for UK about what the university will be doing to support black and minority students this year. We also spoke about that Twitter exchange between the official UK account and the movement for Black Lives at the University of Kentucky account. That's after a quick break, so stay tuned. This portion of WRFL's programming
3: is made possible in part by Special Media. Special Media is an independent bookstore and gift shop in Lexington offering a selection of new and used books as well as other novelty items. Special Media is located at 371 South Limestone and can be reached at 859-255-4316. WRFL thanks Skechal for supporting College Radio.
0: There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you're sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. And clean and disinfect frequently touched objects. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message is brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and WRFL. And we're back. I'm Noel Oldham, and you're listening to Campus Voices. Before the break, we heard from two Black student leaders at UK in an interview recorded Monday. On Tuesday, I spoke to Jay Blanton, the spokesperson for the University of Kentucky, about what the university will be doing to support Black and minority students on campus this year. We also talked about the concerns about the university reopening that the Movement for Black Lives at UK Twitter account brought up. This led to a Twitter exchange where the official UK Twitter account questioned the faith the Movement for Black Lives has in their fellow students. Here's that interview. Mr. Blanton, welcome to Campus Voices. Great to be with you. So this summer, we saw a massive reinvigoration of the Black Lives Matter movement following the deaths of George Floyd and here in Kentucky, Breonna Taylor, both Black people killed by police. This has brought more awareness to the issues faced by people of color and especially Black people in this country. What is UK doing to support Black students this year?
3: That's a great question. And thanks for, thanks for the opportunity to talk on behalf of the, of the institution. I think um, the, the deaths that we saw via mobile phone <laughs> across the world uh, were a shock to the senses and a shock to our consciences collectively. And I think it reawakened us. We already knew that we had more work to do in this space around diversity and equity, inclusivity, and around the idea, as President Capolito often discusses, of being a community of belonging and acceptance. And that means for everybody, for everyone to be accepted for their true selves and their true identity. But I think what happened over the summer in, in places like Louisville, Minneapolis, and in Georgia, Um, reawakened us to that, to the urgency of that. So we have been in conversations really, I think, intense conversations for the last year with a number of students, and I think some of the students you've talked with for the program have been part of, of some of those efforts, and a lot has been done, but I think we know not enough. You know, for instance, last year it was it was collective conversations with what we call BSAC, the Black Student Advisory Council, um, that led to a number uh, of, of really important initiatives around more involvement in, in inclusion among Black students in search, uh, in the search process, on search committees for high-ranking administrators and deans, um, uh, around working toward a more standardized process for diversity officers, uh, around releasing some of the survey results that we've got, uh, that are, you know, around implicit bias training. Um, the mural, clearly, in Memorial Hall is an issue that, that Black students and particularly Black student leaders brought to our attention, forced the institution to reckon with, um, and now we're at a point where we're making plans to remove that mural uh, from Memorial Hall, you know, establishing that basic needs center and a basic needs fund that we've been talking about. Uh, you know, All of those things, uh, oh, and, and a review that's been ongoing at the Parker Scholarship, which is a scholarship that a lot of underrepresented minorities and, and, and students of color apply for and receive. Um, and so all of those came out of this sort of year-long set of discussions with Black student leaders on our campus, and they're to be commended, and more than commended, uh, I mean, I think they should be lifted up for forcing the institution to have that conversation and to reckon with some of those issues. That said, um, I think the events of the summer uh, underscored for us um, the stain of systemic racism on on our society, on institutions like the judicial system, and... and the financial system, but also institutions like ours in education, and that we need to take a hard look at that. And so I think in June, you had the university, President Capilouto and our Board of Trustees announcing a very comprehensive initiative around diversity, equity, and inclusivity. Some 500 members of our campus, students, faculty, and staff are volunteering for different parts of that effort. We're going to have some more announcements, I think, in the coming days about how we really kickstart that effort. Already you've seen some announcements, $10 million toward an initiative to st- study and research, do research on racial disparities, uh, about almost a quarter of a million dollars in a seed fund from the Commonwealth Institute of Black Studies, with our, which our African-American African Africana Studies faculty uh, had asked for. Uh, the College of Education is engaging in a historic partnership with the NAACP around issues of educational equity uh, and access. Top administrators are going to undergo uh, training around racism, anti-racism uh, from a esteemed scholar in that, uh, on our College of Education's campus, uh, Candace Harkins. So a lot of things are happening. I'm not saying this is a a point of of, uh, uh, immodesty, but I think if you look on our campus, the things that are happening, the urgency with which are happening, the the dollars that are being invested, I think are unprecedented for institution. And and I think, I hope, will be a model. That said, I think the students you're talking with will tell you that that's, that's good and that's a start. But it's not enough. And they're right. We've got more issues to talk about. Um, and I think you're seeing some of that play out in some of the conversations that are ongoing with administrators on the campus and some of the concerns that are being articulated by, by students on campus and, 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 uh, and social media and other places. Um, there are lots of issues and we need to, we need to approach those earnestly and respectfully um, and engage our students as partners because that's what they're going to be in this process.
0: Brianna Taylor was a student at the University of Kentucky in 2011. In June, you said that the university was considering a petition to name a building on campus in uh-huh. Brianna Taylor's honor. Is that uh-huh. something the university is still considering?
3: You know, there's a process for that around signage and buildings and how those get named. And so, if that makes its way through, this, any any name or any renaming or naming of a building needs to go through that process. So, I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, uh, pass a judgment or, or, or presuppose what will happen with the process, but that process is in place. And, and then we've also got, as I mentioned, this diversity, equity, and inclusivity process. And a couple of things are happening with respect to that that I think speak to this issue. We've got, there's going to be a whole diversity master plan that's created. And so basically that's sort of looking at the physical shape and contour of our campus on top of the master plan that's already in place. And you put in a master plan so you can kind of say, all right, what kind of development needs to take place over here? what would look best over here Well, the diversity master plan kind of looks at those diversity concerns and lays it on top of that and so that's where I think you would get into that conversation um, if people want to pursue that and I think we're gonna that's gonna be a campus conversation that's not going to be a, Eli Capaluto decides this or Jay Glenn certainly <laughs> is not going to decide this it's going to be a campus conversation about what we want the campus to look like where we want things to be named how we want to reconcile and, and reconcile with our history um, and a and, and history that's fraught. There's some, there's some ways in which we've led in integration. If we look at football in the SEC, we were the first uh, SEC school to be integrated, but there's some ways in which we relate to integration. We've only been integrated as a campus, an academic campus for about 70 years. That's a fraught history. And so how do you reckon with that and reflect that uh, in markers and signage and history and buildings? I think those are all good conversations. And I would say that's where that, that, that question you're asking fits into that conversation.
0: Barry Gardner, the student activist who's been mm-hmm. a leader of Black at UK and the Movement for Black Lives at the University of Kentucky, says that his organization has a meeting with UK administrators today. We're speaking on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, Black at UK has a list of 16 <coughs> demands. Is the university willing to meet any of the demands from Black at UK?
3: I think we've been engaged. You're right, Car. I think it is having a meeting today with uh, some senior administrators, uh, and there have been a number of meetings, uh, both formal with senior administrators, and then my understanding is others who have reached out and continued with dialogue, and I think that's, I, I hope that's been uh, respectful and productive and, and, and will and will be ongoing. I, I would say that the the concerns or demands that have been articulated uh, by this important student organization, would, I, I would argue they need to fit into that process I'm talking about, that DEI process we've got. We're gonna have some 17 different work streams, some 500 people working across lots of projects. All of those demands, I think would fit in, would fit into that process so that students, faculty, and staff can have a dialogue about, um, about, about how that should unfold. I, I would say though, and I think it's important to note that if there are some important points of progress that have happened in the last few years, in the last 10 years alone, UK is responsible for almost half of the degrees awarded to black students among public universities in the state. There's eight public universities. We're one. We're responsible for almost half of those degrees. You look at the Parker Scholarship, which is that um, uh, that, that, that scholarship program I was talking to you about that uh, uh, a number of underrepresented students or minority from minority populations or students of color would apply for. We've increased funding in the last 10 years from eight million, uh, roughly eight and a half million to almost 14 and a half million. We're spending $6 million more than we did in that time period alone. Um, Underrepresented students now get 95% of those awards as opposed to 88% about 10 years ago. We've increased by nine points the percent of black and African-American students who receive institutional aid. Graduation rates are going up uh, for black students. We are a more diverse campus than we have ever been in our history or none. Um, That's not to say we're perfect. That's not to say we don't have lots of progress that needs to be made, but a lot of the issues Um, that that are being spoken to here are being articulated and the expressions of concern that we made are issues we've been working on and issues we've been making progress on with students.
0: Last week, Black at UK put up banners around campus sharing stories from students of incidents of racism on campus. How does the university respond to these stories from Black students?
3: I think we said at the time, um, some of the language, some of the stories that were depicted, um, I think, shock us. Um, Some of the language that... um, that our students have had to encounter uh, is language of hate. Um, and it's, it's, it's deplorable um, and it's not acceptable. Uh, I think you're going to see one of the efforts that underway here on our campus through this diversity, equity, inclusivity effort is a, is a committee that's going to look at this question of speech. You know, and, 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 and let's just be frank. I mean, the issue is tough. Here's the issue. You've got protections for speech however hateful and disgusting it may be that are codified in the Constitution or in the First Amendment. And that's sacred. At the same time, you've got a community and you've got people in that community who are saying, we can't be real full members of this community if we're being marginalized by hateful speech, if we're being threatened by hateful speech. And that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a sacred point too. So how do you reconcile those things? How do you, how do you honor the law and honor a principle that I think we all share, particularly on an academic campus where, you know, as Dr. Capilouto says it all the time, a university is about two things, people and ideas. And that implies, I think, that there's debate, there's dialogue, there's speech, and sometimes it's rough and tumble and you go back and forth. So how do you honor that principle? And at the same time, honor a principle, I think, is just as important is, is, is having a community where everyone feels like they belong. Everyone feels like they can be themselves. And people feel like they don't have to, they're not gonna walk down the street and be marginalized or disrespected. Um, I think that's what we gotta kind of figure out. And so I think what the students were saying, and I don't wanna speak for them, they're they're gonna speak very well for themselves, I'm sure, um, is I think they were saying, listen to us, this is what we're encountering on this campus. And I think they're right, they have encountered that. And we've gotta find a way, to honor the principles of debate and dialogue, but also honor the principle of speaking out forcefully and taking action forcefully when we find people being marginalized or treated with hate.
0: Gardner told us yesterday that Black at UK is prepared to continue with acts of protest if the administration does not work with them on some of their demands. Is the university prepared to handle student protests?
1: Well, I I
3: would say two things. One, I think the university is more than willing to keep engaging with with, with our students on these issues, and that's our intent. Um, And hopefully we'd like to do it in the context of this process that's underway that's going to involve so many people across our community. I think that that's not only a great process, but it also be a great way for our students to get an experience that they might not otherwise get. Um, In terms of protest, uh, students should express themselves. When students see something that they don't think is right, when they think is unjust, um, they should speak out. Um, I think the question is, and, and, and we want to help facilitate that. Frankly, I know, I know that may, be, that may surprise people <laughs> to hear university administrator say, we want to help them protest. But what we want to do is help them protest in a way that keeps everybody healthy and safe, too. And we're, we, we not only have the normal concerns about are you, being, are you safe in a protest, um, but we also now have a world in which we live in where there's a vir- an invisible virus that moves across a, a country, much less a campus, in minutes or seconds. And so how do we gather in ways that are not only respectful then only give voice to concern and argument and protest, but they also keep you safe and healthy physically. Um, so we, I think we will be prepared. We want to work with the students um, in order to help facilitate that kind of um, articulation of concern.
0: On August 4th on Twitter, the official UK account had an exchange with the Movement for Black Lives at the University of Kentucky account in response to their concerns about UK students returning to campus. I'd like to ask you to address some of what was brought up. One thing was that while students are being tested for COVID-19 upon returning to campus, staff and faculty aren't. Why is that?
3: Well, there's two issues. One, staff and faculty do have access to testing, to free testing. Um, And and, and in a week or so, we're going to be, again, in partnership with the state to offer community testing, which is going to be another avenue for faculty and staff or anyone in the community to get a free test. So we are offering testing now for employees. Um, The difference is, one, testing for students was mandatory. Testing for employees, faculty, and staff is voluntary. Why is that? Well, they're two very different populations. So with our students, we've got about 30,000 students. They come from 120 counties in the Commonwealth, all 50 states, and some 100 countries. They're coming from a variety of different places with broad ranges of access to health care and testing. So we thought it was important um, utilizing the advice of health professionals and medical professionals. We have a start team of some world-leading clinicians, researchers, scientists. Who recommended a mandatory testing regimen for students so we could get a baseline of coming in? Where are our students? What have we discovered? some you know, some 14, 15, 000 tests so far as of Tuesday today, the eighteenth. Um, about a one percent positivity rate. So I think that indicates something, and in general, that's good. Got a long way to go to get to Thanksgiving, but that's a good thing. Uh, you know, faculty and staff generally generally are coming from the local area here, have pretty good access to testing have insurance through UK's health insurance plan, have the ability to get tested. Um, So it's just a very different population, a very different set of needs. let me add this. We've got this start team, they're meeting regularly, they meet weekly. Uh, I get the the honor to get to sit in on some of them and listen to their conversations and it goes over my head, but um, they're gonna continue to talk about these issues and we're gonna follow their advice. We're gonna let data drive what we do uh, in terms of what we do in the future in terms of testing, how we're gonna screen piece too. We've got a whole screening regimen too. Students are students, and, and, and faculty and staff who are coming to campus at all, in, in any way, shape or form, are being asked to screen every day. Um, so we, we've got a, I would argue, um, as robust and comprehensive a plan as any in higher education in America. Um, and so I hope that explains that.
0: Another issue that was brought up was that students, while being tested upon returning to campus, there, there hasn't been explicitly said by the university that they're going to be tested throughout the semester. Is that going to happen? And how is the university going to track COVID-19 among the student body?
3: Well, again, I think we'll let data drive the decisions. We'll we'll, uh, we'll use the advice uh, and guidance of medical professionals and health professionals. Our START team will continue to meet. We'll see what recommendations they make with respect to testing or retesting or how we move forward. We are doing a daily screening. We're gonna, we've are gonna. we got that data there's, people are getting an email reminder every day. Soon we're gonna have an app that they can download. We'll be able to un- understand if they're showing symptoms and if they do show symptoms, reach out to them quickly through our Health Corps, which is a 15 member team of contact tracers and wellness coordinators, they're trained. Some of them have advanced degrees in these areas. So they'll work um, if, if someone's showing symptoms uh, of illness uh, to be able to get them into our university health service or other place to get a test. We've got rooms, dozens of rooms reserved on our campus for both quarantining and isolating. We've got rooms off campus for quarantining and isolating. Uh, we're gonna, it's going to be a data-driven process, and we're going to use that guidance we're getting from health professionals uh, to determine the next steps that we make. I, I think the, the bottom line is this is a really fluid situation. In June, I think we all thought in the state of Kentucky, which has done a superb job, if you ask almost anybody out there, in terms of the public health regulations and guidance that have been implemented, some of the steps we took early before a lot of other states thought we had this thing licked in some ways, right? In August, in July and August, it comes surging back in spikes. So this this virus is still uh, uncertain. Um, a, a lot can change, and we need to be have a plan that's nimble enough that allows us to pivot with it.
0: Kyrie Gardner, who runs the Movement for Black Lives at the University of Kentucky account, says that the university's tone in that Twitter exchange felt hostile. Is there anything that you feel wasn't clearly communicated in that exchange?
3: Yeah, I, I, I did email, uh, I was among a number of people, and I did email uh, Corey about that because he indicated that they, that they felt, that the students felt some disrespect in that. And, and, and I guess I see it in two ways. One, I think the bulk of the tweets, as you alluded to, were really about here's, how, here's what the group felt about the health plan, and here was the university responding to that in a factual way, and, and and folks can disagree about that, right, they can, we can agree to disagree. There was one tweet that I think was defensive on our part, um, and, and I think the students took that as disrespectful, and I apologize that they felt disrespected, because that was not the intent, but at the end of the day, if you feel disrespected, that's in the eye of the holder, right, it's not on the person that did the disrespecting, so that wasn't our intent. Um, and so we apologize for that, but, um, um, you know, we'll be careful and mindful of that because the students and their success are at the center of everything we do. That's who we care the most about. That's why we're here. That's why people like me have a job um, is, is, is to help uh, promote uh, the work of our faculty and staff in support of our students and in support of service to our commonwealth. So um, to the extent that, that that caused a problem and, was de- and it was defensive, that, that, that was defensive and we apologize for that.
0: Thank you to Jay Blanton, spokesperson for the University of Kentucky, for joining us on this week's Campus Voices. Thank you again to Anaya Jones and Kyrie Gardner for providing perspectives of Black student leaders. Kyrie said on Tuesday evening that the administration's meeting with Black at UK was amicable but not productive. He said that Black at UK will be escalating their protests. Jalen Washington helped to write and report this week's episode. I'm Noel Oldham, and this has been Campus Voices on WRFL. Stay tuned for some alternative music.